This episode is brought to you by the generous patrons who supported us over at patreon.com slash inspiration point. So we want to give a big thank you to our patrons, Kate Prostaskius, Leroy, Josh, Tiana, Falangor, Spike, Chris, Konohamaru, Buyag, Starry, Red Dead Coquette, Logan, Punchin' Potato, Jen Solo, and our newest patron, Rajar. Welcome to our little family. And thank you all for helping us to put a little more inspiration out into the world. And now, onto the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another victorious episode of Inspiration Point. I'm Andrew. And I'm Adam. And we are once again joined for another Fate School episode by our professor, Mr. Robert Hans, and our fellow student, Tiana Hansen. Welcome back to the show, guys. Hey, hey. Hi, good to be here. You know, I just want to uh, say, I heard Tiana both as my fellow guest uh podcaster i don't know what the right word here is special guest as well as a patreon isn't that kind of like paying to be at your job <laughs> uh all right no in fairness though um i i i joined the patreon back when uh adam was like hey guys i'm gonna run a, a DD campaign for members of the patreon who are at x level and i was like I'm just going to slide right in there because I want to <laughs> play with Adam. Yep. that's, And I appreciate that, by the way. It, now she just sticks with it out of pity. <laughs> and we really just appreciate that. Thank you, Deanna. That is uh, an absurd statement, but I'm glad to be here either way. <laughs> <laughs> so that's actually kind of funny because when they did the book of Han's uh, Kickstarter, um, to publish it, Randy over at the Fate SRD did that yeah, to raise some funds for the SRD. And they asked, hey, you know, are you willing to let us do this? I'm like, yeah, yeah, why not? Well, how much do you want? Like, Nothing, just take it. You're doing good work, right? And I actually did uh, kickstart the the Fate, the Book of Hans Kickstarter at a level where I could play a game with them. <laughs> so Excellent. Nice. And that if you go to like YouTube and you look up Book of Hans, you'll see the the games for that pop up. And I am in in fact in one of them. We did a kind of Guardians of the Galaxy mockumentary type game. That was pretty fun. Oh, fun. oh that sounds rad. That sounds like a good idea. Like you had me at mockumentary. <laughs> <laughs> it was like that's what I want. You just have I've been, have I, rocket I've been watching what, what we do in the shadows in front of the camera. It's so good. Just in the confessional, uh, that'd be pretty good. So, so Tiana is one who has played several sessions in Wrath of the Scorned, our Patreon game. Would you say that twenty dollars a month is is worth oh, it? Oh, that's low. Oh, see, that's what I felt. <laughs> that's, like, that's what I say. Like, legit, um, I, I, I keep an eye on the uh, pro GMing thing because I'm half thinking about getting into that at some point whenever I have, like, 30 seconds to breathe at the, at, at once. Um, it's a good gig if someone so never, so never, you know, if so you're probably good at never. it. <laughs> so never. But I'm looking at it and going, yeah, yeah it's pretty difficult to get, like, you know, $30 a session. And I'm like, Adam... 
not mm-hmm. to shoot myself in the foot with this one, but um, <laughs> but, but raise just your saying, as, uh, as my Laurel frequently says to me, charge what you're worth. Yeah. Yes. Well, um, unfortunately, the demand is low enough at the moment that I must keep the price. Which is, which is So which is hopefully fair, if if you would like to increase the demand and thus uh, the asking price of the show, please subscribe at uh, patreon.com slash inspiration point at $20 level. And then you too could have a GM, but good. See that I'm going to have you do the Patreon pitch from now on. Cause that's, that was, that was just fine. That was just I mean, fine. like a GM, like a GM, but good. What more could you ask for? Wow. <laughs> Cause you know, we all like D and D, but let's face it. Most DMS don't know what they're doing and it's horrible. Well, and uh, speaking <laughs> of speaking of not knowing what we're doing um oh flawless segue super good right (laughs) true though but like very accurate yeah so we are here for some more fate schooling and uh i did uh choose the the adjective victorious when we were going into this episode because uh our humble group of four here uh has we have defeated the greatest of foes encountered by RPG groups all around the world. And that is the, uh, the scheduling monster. <laughs> and, uh, all of us, Rob, Tiana, myself, and Adam, uh, ran into some, you know, little scheduling hiccups and stuff and managed to work it out and get here to record today. So I would like to just express my gratitude to everybody for being patient through all the, you know, all the scheduling shenanigans because life happens and, you know, sometimes stuff gets shuffled around and that's just how it goes. But I am very happy to be here with the three of you to learn some more fate. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We had a lot of fun last time. That was fun. It that was really great. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we all had to blow a few fate points just to make this work. <laughs> you know, I, I think I we will probably succeed. Did. I used all I three of mine. <laughs> How bad do you want it? Oh, we want it bad. Spend, baby. Spend, we, want it. <laughs> we want it so bad. Um, so who wants to recap what we did last time? Oh, my God. <laughs> He says because he doesn't want to re- recap. That's exactly. Uh, I was going to say, what do you think this is? An actual play podcast? <laughs> yeah, because I, I will say we did um, some uh, actual playthrough, which was really good. I think I learned a lot from from doing that. That's what I'm really um, asking. It's like, what what did yeah. we learn about last time? Well, and so I- we, we we went over some philosophy stuff, and then we got into the gameplay and. And that, of course, raised lots and lots of questions. So even though the encounter we had moved very, very uh, slowly in a way, it was, again, for that tutorial aspect. Because, you know, Rob had to keep explaining, like, because we're like, what, huh? (laughs) Because we're all geniuses. Because we're all geniuses, clearly. I mean, it's like like the first three hours of any Persona game. It is a tutorial, and it's slow, and you just have to deal with that. Us. You're just gonna be Three pressing hours. X a lot. I'm actually. Oh my god, maybe I won't pick it up. I'm, I'm, Jeez, I'm, honestly, that's just kind of JRPG. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. 
And I mean, they, no, they, I they, 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 I they, do, they do do a really good job of integrating it in as part of the story. So while it technically is a three hour tutorial, kind of, it's also setting up the world. Mm. Yeah. You just have to accept that you're mostly playing a visual novel. <laughs> and then you get to play a game that's also still mostly a visual novel. With turn-based combat. But but now there's turn-based combat, so that's cool. I remember Final go. Fantasy X when that came out, and I got into that, and like the first two hours was cutscene, and there's like five minutes of gameplay, and another two hours of cutscene, and five, mm-hmm. it was like, can I play? See, and, You and, guys look like you're having fun. I want to play too. Yeah, and, and, and the Persona games are way better about that, because there are cutscenes, but they're not freaking two hours long. <laughs> People complain about the carriage ride in Skyrim. (laughs) (laughs) You're finally awake. No, no, no. Any of the Metal Gear Solid games. Yeah. Am I to believe that you have been sitting there staring at me while I was asleep, waiting for me to wake up so you could say (laughs) that? Because that's given me some vibes. See, but then eventually we figure out you just save a file right after the guy yep. asks you what you are, and then you <laughs> yep. never do that ever again. <laughs> Amen. But I mean, it could be kind of flattering. You know, the guy's staring at you the whole time you're asleep. Oh, I see you're finally awake. Oh, really? You're watching me the whole time? Really? First romance you know, option. That's, that's true. <laughs> like, it is on us how we decide to take that, right? Like, that's that maybe says more about me that I'm like, oh. Why you been staring at me? He's like, well, hey, I've I'm, been chained up across the, you know, on the other bench. What else was I going to do? Exactly. Look at these eight million pine trees <laughs> that have been here forever. No, 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 I say. <laughs> no, I say. What do you, what do you say? Finally, you know, it takes like an hour to cross all of Skyrim. That's true. Right? <laughs> That's true. So why is this taking so long? <laughs> because it's a really, really slow carriage. <laughs> yep. slower than walking so yeah. i mean i just look at things like that and go wait what happened why were you unconscious so long is there brain damage is this all just in your head is it are, is, is it just like that so last second questions. is this like, this like the last seconds of your life playing out before you die i mean if this kind of interaction is what i have to look forward to <laughs> i can only hope so <laughs> oh. Bum, oh. Bum. i mean I mean the Skyrim interaction, not interaction with you guys. You guys are great. <laughs> Speaking of you guys being great, let's play some Fate. Hey, right. that rhyme. That's even better. Yeah. So, I mean, I think you guys actually did really, really, really great at picking the game up. And and I do think that Fate is actually one of the games that works better, like just kind of let's grab and go. You know, mm. we didn't really go over the actions. Like, we went over a lot of kind of what aspects are and philosophical, but the nitty gritty of like how to run the game. I think we we're able to pretty much pick up and, and run and go. And I, I think that went pretty smoothly. I mean, you're, it slowed down a little because we're having to explain things, but, you know, um, I, w- I would hate doing that with GURPS. Oh, God. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm kind of getting PTSD, not having ever done it, just thinking about it. So, um, but I, I think, I think y'all probably have some questions about that maybe we could go over those let's do it the floor is open yes so i i definitely want to just kind of nail down mechanics yeah in, in terms of you know how often can i invoke something how what does a stunt cost if anything mm-hmm. you know uh even maybe doing some uh milestones yeah i i realize it's hard to do that instantly but we can kind of pr- pretend we did stuff i guess um, and then like, yeah, just kind of like running combat, thinking a little bit about how NPCs are built. Cause I was looking at the 
sheet of adversaries on the evil hat website. And I, they were very inconsistent from each other mm-hmm. in terms of some. I, I mean, I got the sense that it's about every one of them having the information needed. But, you know, that's not always as much as something else. Right. Which makes sense. Um, but like I'm thinking about running this pretty soon. OK. And so I'm like, I'm really trying to look behind the curtain and figure out all the rules um, because all the other sort of role play fun spiritual stuff. Uh, I'm in. I'm sold. I'm good. Great. Um, so that's me. Um, I don't know if anyone else wants to chime in what they want. I think that's a good place to start. Um, I know last time also uh, while we were in combat, um, there were several times where uh, where I I want to say probably each of us at at one point or another uh, took stress. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And that is the amount of stress you take is determined by shifts. Right. And I feel like we didn't really address that and kind of uh, let folks know kind of where shifts come from, what they are and how they translate into stress and or consequences. And also what the, um, the different consequence slots actually mean because Mm -hmm. we've got mild, moderate and severe. And there's actually even like a hidden extreme one. Um, Right. Which is an optional rule. Right. And, and those, the, the mild, moderate and severe can be used to mitigate two, four, or six stress, respectively, but also Correct. whatever, uh, like a mild consequence is means something different to your character than a severe consequence mm-hmm. would, and things like that. So, yeah, um, shift stress and consequences, I think, are all kind of important to know where those come from and how they all kind of connect. Sounds good to me. Tiana, did you have any questions since Andrew and uh, why can I not remember the other name? I'm so terrible Adam. at this. Adam, I knew it was another A name. It, 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 is, it is one of the by. most complicated things uh, about the podcast sometimes because they sound very similar sometimes. I'm just going to call them both so? Andrew. We sound and similar in many ways. Yeah, that's that's hmm. that's fair. We both have very lovely, deep, rich voices. It's easy to confuse sometimes. Mm-hmm. Deep and rich. Mm-hmm. That's all right. Tiana, yeah. do you have any <laughs> questions besides which one's Andrew and which one's Adam? Nah, nah I know which one's which. Um, I you don't know, even know show which me. one's which. <laughs> all right, tell tell me something only I would know. <laughs> uh, in in this group, um, yeah, no, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I've got like two years of a role playing game going with you at this point. There are things that I can say mm-hmm. in chant. Oh, I appreciate that. Chant is an underused word. I it really that. is. It, it it it's used uh, very scant. Mm. Oh, true. Very true. Um, mm. I don't have any specific questions at okay. this at, at this particular juncture. I. I'm still just like digging into things now that I have a better understanding, a little bit of how the mechanics work after running the scene. I went and picked up some books and dice after our last recording session and fully intend to do like a deep dive because I mean, like Adam, I, I want to run uh, a a fake game. It'll be a little bit of tweaking, I think, because it's the Dresden file system, but 
I yeah. I want to do this. Fantastic. Oh, well, Dresden Files is mostly fake. If you're using DFA, are you using DFA or DFRPG? Uh, RPG, because I wanted the, the, okay. the, the like... I looked at the accelerated and I yeah. I think that there's a lot of interesting stuff in there, but I really want like the in-depth world building stuff. So I'm I'm grabbing the two books uh duology. Yeah, and actually I mean you can use some of the world building stuff from there and some of the knowledge and use the accelerated rules if you find they work better. I mean, those are totally modular. Now. Oh, there we go. Mm. So so that's an option. At some point we can go over some of like the differences between fate three Point oh, which was Spirit of the Century and DFRPG and what they did with Fate Core, because they're not really that different in a lot of ways. Sure. Um, but let's start on some of the questions. One of the first questions was about invoking aspects and how often you can do that. Um, so the brief answer is you can invoke aspects anytime there's a role happening and you don't like how it's going. Um, sometimes you want to invoke it before you do the role. If you know that the thing you're doing is going to make the, that aspect that you're invoking go away, which is fine. Um, but there is a limit on how many invocations you can do per aspect. And that is that you can dump as many free invokes as you have in one role. And you get those by doing a create advantage action. Um, create advantage basically makes the thing true. but it also lets you invoke it once or twice for free. You can also spend one fake point per aspect per roll. So if I have um, an aspect hold my beer with two invokes on it, I can invoke that up to three times. I can use the two free invokes, and I can also invoke um, hold my beer once with a fake point. If there's a you know another aspect around there which is you know uh, crowd watching, you can now spend one fake point on that if you needed to spend another fake point. So that, that's your limitation. You can do as many free invokes as you want. You can do one invoke with a fate point per aspect per roll. So, all right, to, to kind of break it down. Um, so we usually start a game with somewhere between one and four fate points, right? Um, Depending on how many stunts we have. One and three. One and three. Should we okay. go over refresh real quick? Yeah, maybe yeah. maybe that'd be helpful because I'm still a little bit shaky on when I can use free and when I can't. And okay. it's, so, yeah. Okay, so the refresh is the number of fake points you start with. When you start when right. you create a character, you start with three refresh, and you can select up to three stunts. Right. If you want additional stunts, you can spend you can trade in refresh for an additional stunt. So you can go from so three four, refresh five. to two and get an additional stunt to have four, or you can spend two refresh and get an additional two stunts to get up to five stunts. You're not supposed mm-hmm. to go down to zero stunts. That's, a you know, in theory, in a lot of games, that makes you an NPC. Or zero games refresh. It's probably not going to break if you do that, but not a big deal. Um, and what yep. refresh is, your personal pool of fate points can go up and down throughout the game. If you get if you have things invoked against you, that gives you fate points. If you accept compels, that gets you fate points. If you concede from a conflict, that also gets you fate points. Um, so at the beginning of a session, and you know how you do this around like a PvP or a less session oriented game is a little bit of an art, or if your session's really long or short, you have to tweak it a little bit. But if you've got a typical, you know, two to four hour session, a session's a good break. You start with either your refresh in fate points. Or if you had more than that at the end of the last session, you get to start at that number of fate points. 
So let's say that, you know, and I, I kind of call it the Star Wars rule um, for like kind of determining if you're if you're kind of right setting your things like in and that's you should it, one, one of your games should look like one of the three Star Wars movies. The first three, it should either be a new hope where you overcome a lot of stuff but have some setbacks and kind of run out of all your fate points or can look like the Empire Strikes Back where you just get your butt kicked left and right and lose all the time and the bad guys get all what they want and life is terrible and you end up with a, a horde of fate points at the end of it. Or it can be Return of the Jedi where you spend all your fate points and little teddy bears are somehow able to overcome you know, trained elite soldiers. <laughs> um, so if you have the Empire Strikes Back situation where you're just losing and losing, you're taking compel after compel, you're conceding out of conflicts and you're doing everything that gets you all these fate points, and you end up with like seven, eight fate points, they don't go away. You get to keep them. Mm. But if it's New Hope and you spent all of them, well, we're going to go bleep, back up to your refresh at the beginning of the next session. Was that clear as much? Uh, the, uh, no, actually, that was very helpful. I, I was going to ask if you can bank them, and I assume there's no limit. There is no limit. Okay. Although there's only so much a player can take before they would like to win, I, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, for sure. And uh, as a, Andrew, and as a you GM... Have- like, if I see somebody sitting on a horde of fate points, you know, when I offer them compels, they're going to be meaty ones. I'm not going to give you the light ones. You know, if you're down to, like, zero or one fate points and I offer you compel, it's probably going to be not, like, really sticking it to you. Because you know, you're just trying kinda... to really low-key just get them a fate point. Yeah, I might do that. Mm. I might do that. It's still going to involve some level of complication, um, but it's not going to be really. You're you trying know, to throw them a bone. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, yeah. it's it's still got to hurt. Yeah. If I offer you a compel, it's going to hurt, to be honest with you. But it's not going to hurt quite as much. Um, you know, that's in theory where as a GM you could really stick it to them. And I and that's not really, you know, good play in that case. It's kind of weird as a fate GM because you, you, you do want to put on your evil GM hat a lot, you know, with compels. And you do want to kind of amp up the stakes and the drama as much as you can. But you don't want to be like a jerk about it. Right, you're doing it to make things more interesting and more dramatic. You're not doing it because, haha, I have the power. I can make your life bad. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, but yeah, it, you could totally bank. It it also seems like, at least as a matter of like sort of best practices, um, you know, when you're you're kind of using a sort of supply and demand sort of idea for distributing or or providing um fate point gain opportunities with compels mm-hmm. where it's like if you you kind of have to determine on the fly what you kind of feel a fate point would be worth to a player where it's like if you've got none then you know you you want to kind of you know you can't give them something for nothing but it doesn't right. need it's like if you want this fate point how much do you have to take as a player in order to get this fate point if they've got none it's like okay you know you don't have to sacrifice your firstborn for this but if the gm sees you sitting on like nine fate points clearly like you're you're banking these for something or you know having access to all those fate points is a lot of potential power and mm-hmm. as the gm you gotta kind of look at that also and go okay if you want any more fate points you are really gonna have to pay for them 
Yeah, exactly. Right. And a lot of times with compels, and I'll be honest, in a lot of my games, compels aren't the main source of fate points. For some people, they are. Mm. I prefer my compels to be a little juicier and a little more kind of narrative complicated. Some people do them for fairly light things like, oh, you'll miss a turn of combat. I, I don't really consider that particularly interesting. Other people do. I mean, there's... I, I kind of run on the stingy side when it comes to compels and what people call the fake point economy. I don't even really like calling it that because I don't think they should be blowing up to really make it an economy. Other people think that's the best way to play the game. And, you know, more power to them. Fate allows mm. a lot of styles. Um, but, yeah, that that's really what it boils down to. And really, for me, the compels are about, oh, I just thought of a juicy opportunity. And hopefully it's something that you think is interesting and cool, too. Yeah. It might complicate your life, but it shouldn't just be, oh, this is bad and not fun. It should be bad in a fun way, if that <laughs> makes sense. Mm. And we're kind of using the fate point to kind of grease the wheels a little bit and make it a little more acceptable to you that you're taking it. Um, you know, it it that sort of idea of like, you know, making of in, being incentivized to make things worse or harder for your character um struck me as having almost the same ish kind of vibes as uh the there's a card game called gloom oh yes. yeah and i i haven't played it i've just heard a lot about it but basically the idea is you have a character or a family or whatever a family and the goal of the mm -hmm. game is that you're you're trying to make things almost sort of like a series of unfortunate events where Yes. It's this kind of macabre. You're just making things get worse and worse and worse and worse in, you know, dramatically complicated and difficult kinds of ways where, you know, I think they take it in kind of a tongue in cheek sort of way oh, totally. where it's like, tee -hee, let's see how bad we can make this situation. Um, and it, this feels like it has that same kind of vibe where it's like, all right, let's see what kind of nonsense our characters can handle. Um, and it actually had me thinking also about how, like a lot of times when we play D and D, my default is to want to feel like I am the character. Mm -hmm. Um, and I will, tr while playing, I'll try to, you know, state my actions and, and stuff in terms of, of I do this, I do that as if I am in the first person, I am my character. Where for this, it occurred to me that it might even be beneficial to take more of an author stance where it's almost like you are just watching the character very closely and you're piloting the character within the story. And it's like, ooh, let's have Sam do this. That would be pretty cool. Or let's have Rex do this or let's have Charlotte do this. So that's an interest. That's an interesting topic because that is a criticism I've heard of fate a lot that it feels more like you're an author. And there are certain parts of fate that definitely are, are authors. Can. Some, in, some invokes concessions are absolutely player level negotiations. Um, some declarations can be very much player level declarations. Some can still be kind of more in character as well. Mm. Um, so the way I, I kind of got introduced to fate was on the giant in the playground forums mm. uh, years yeah, and years, order years ago. Stick. Order of the stick. Order of the I stick. I love baby. order of the stick. And I'm, I'm old school. I'm like, you know, old school D and D one ed, all that stuff. And, you know, this was like kind of the neo trad, um, 
culture of play was big and like, oh, you can't take a little character without permission from the character's player. That kind of thing. Oh, you have to understand what they want for their character arc. Mm. And people are talking about games, and I kind of dismiss them as roll to see how awesome I am games. And I, I took a lot of the narrative stuff and in, inappropriately combined it with that Neotrat stuff, which is still legitimate. It's just definitely not my thing. And somebody, speaking about DFRPG specifically, was like, whoa, dude, you, you're wrong. You're just wrong. Mm. Last, last game I ran of DFRPG, sure, we won in the end, but here is the the laundry list of all the bad things that happened, including some characters dying, some turning into NPCs, some losing everything they had, some yeah. being horribly misfig- misfigured in the way to success. And I'm like, okay, that's that's I'm I'm, I'm wrong. That there is actually very interesting to me. And so I did a deep dive into narrative games like Burning Wheel, uh, the Powered by the Apocalypse games, mm. and of course Fate. And Fate was just kind of one of the ones that I kind of stuck with, especially that was right around the time of the fake core Kickstarter. Um, so I went into these games expecting it to be a different experience and not having that kind of immersive experience that I was used to. But what I found out, and, and I wasn't looking for this, right? This is the, this is the thing, is that after I had played it for a while, after, you know, because fate does some different things. It's like, okay, I roll the dice. We know what happens. No, now we've got this thing where you can invoke things. Well, that's like a retcon. Well, no, not really, because we didn't finish narrating. We're letting you add stuff. It's mm. weird. Why are we doing these things? And there's a lot of kind of things that ended up, you know, as I played through it, under, figuring out, hey, wait a second, this looks like it was, and I thought it was like this, but it's really not. And then figuring out what it actually was. And actually, those posts, as I went through, that is what became the Book of Hans. But what I found out after going through this process and deeply internalizing this stuff is that I found that is it fake to me now when I'm playing it is as immersive as any other game. Mm. So you still do have these kind of out-of-character moments, but they're so infrequent that I think I find the overall immersion level is just as high. Now, if you want to run it from that author's stance, you know, that's you obviously can do that. But, you know, I, I kind of don't agree that it has to be. Oh, sure, sure. Sure, it, de- it definitely doesn't have to be. That That is, is 100% up to... yeah the player um, and how they want to kind of inhabit or not inhabit uh, their, the character that they are playing slash controlling. Sure. But that's the case for, like, for, for any RPG that you care to yeah, name. Right. Like there are lots of people who never use the first person narration right. for right. like D and D actions and whatever. Um, I, I prefer the more immersive sort of thing. And I actually look at it completely the opposite way. Maybe it's because I'm thinking of it in the terms of the Dresden Files, which is a first person novel where it's yeah. like, mm-hmm. sure, the author controls things. But I forget that because Dresden's the one telling me about it. Yeah, that's true. Yep. But what's interesting to me is, I mean, I have heard people say you cannot immerse in fate and and. Oh, I disagree I entirely. Did, I was surprised to find that wasn't the case, right? I was like, hey, wait, I'm immersing. I never expected that. Neat. Um, but the thing that you said about it kind of having advantages to kind of running your character from this other perspective, I felt that at first. And that, I remember very distinctly after one of the earlier games I played having that exact same thought. And so I thought that kind of journey was interesting from, oh, no, this is... I, I, it's kind of making me out of here and there's advantages to it. And I like that to all of a sudden going, wait, 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 wait I'm immersed. What happened? I, I thought that I wasn't doing that. So I, I found that was kind of interesting, but you know, Hey, different people like different things. And, and 
some people just uh, the existence of things like fate points are completely anti-immersive and more power to them. <laughs> right. Think- and they can play a different game that's uh, not fate. There you go. Um, the one we're learning yeah. about. If that's if, if, if it being immersed is that important to them and they think that anything like fate points or luck points and GURPS or whatever is anti-immersive, go play something else. And I don't mean that in a bad way. It's it's not a good fit for you. It's not doing what you want it to do. Yay, yay you, you know? Yeah. Um, some people juggle geese. <laughs> <laughs> oh, All come right. on. Tell, well, me, tell me you know that quote. I, 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 I do. It just has been a really long time since I've I don't heard. know it. I do not. <laughs> I don't know that one either. Oh, no. Is that a Doctor Who thing? Because no. that's probably why I missed it. No, no, no. Firefly. Oh. Oh. Huh. I've seen that a couple times. <laughs> I yeah, actually I'm, haven't. I, it's been a while. I think I think everybody saying how good it was made me go, sure. Oh, I did that too for a long time <laughs> with with stuff like Steven Universe, where it was like yeah. as soon as someone like super hypes it up, I want nothing to do with it because I don't necessarily want to get disappointed. Fortunately, yeah, I overcame that true. and did watch Steven Universe, and it is very good. So there you go. Um, but does that? I think. That was a long way around talking about invoking things. Yeah, I, um, <laughs> I, I still just want to know how often I can do stuff. <laughs> um, so, okay, so we have an amount of refresh points. Right. And those refresh points, they come back um, per at, session per or session. when the GM says? It's the game per session. session. It's per technically, session. I believe, at a minor milestone, um, but realistically, that ends up being per session most of the time. Like, right. if you're running extra long sessions or extra short ones, you might want to tweak that, but per session is a is kind the of standard. Default. Yeah. I, okay. I, I would also, um, just as a quick thing, uh, say... You don't do quick things, Andrew. <laughs> yes, I, I can, I swear. Um, we'll see. The... I wouldn't call them refresh points. Ref- right, refresh is the amount of fate points you regain at the beginning of a session. So Right, but the book talks about spending refresh, which is why it's a little confusing. Okay. It, it sounds like a resource. So, but then the word refresh does not sound like a resource. Okay. So let's let's see if I can disambiguate that a little bit. The points yeah. that you get that you spend are fate points. Right. Okay. Yep. At the beginning of a session, you refresh your your fate points to a given level if they're not already above that level, right? Mm-hmm. So you know if you have already five fate points and you refresh, well, you're not getting any more, but you're not losing any more. You're happy. Right. The number of fate points that you top up to that you refresh to is your refresh level, mm-hmm. or often called just your refresh. Okay. Does that make sense? Right. So. so far? Yes, because that way, you know, if for whatever reason I get eight fate points and I use four of them, I don't then get like, I guess, seven right. fate points at the end of the session. Right. right. But if you were down to one, yeah, we're going to put you back to three. So you've, you have some to play right. with. Okay. And I like three because three is the magic number. It is. And that's easy to remember. Yes. So when and they we talk about how I GM, you'll hear threes a lot. I use threes a lot in my GMing. Uh, I think so that's what, wise. So what you do, so what you're talking about is if you already have all the free stunts you get, which is also three, um, you can get more stunts at the cost of lowering your refresh. Mm-hmm. Yep. So you can get a fourth stunt, but now you have a refresh of two, which means that at the beginning of a session, if you are below two fate points, you go up to two, you don't go up to three anymore. 
Right. So you're you're making like a permanent change to the air quotes refresh stat on your sheet. Correct. Correct. I mean, that that there's no quote unquote. That's basically what it is. Mm. Yeah. And that's why when we talked about stunts, my argument is that the appropriate stunt power is one that you're like, hmm, does it make sense to trade a point, uh, a fake point for this? If the answer is maybe, then that's a perfectly balanced stunt. If the answer is no, I would way rather have the fake point, then your stunt is too weak. If the answer mm. is I'd be an idiot not to take this stunt, then the stunt mm. is too strong. Mm. The appropriate one is where you're sitting there going, well, you know, for my character, that probably makes sense. That's a that's well-balanced well stunt. That's really interesting design, isn't it? Um, so I have a stunt that I wrote that, mm-hmm. or maybe you helped me write, I don't remember. But anyway, it was basically like uh, when an opponent has an open wound, like whenever they're showing blood, right? then I get a bonus on shoot attempts. I think, I don't remember if we set a number, if that's always plus two, I think it's plus two um, against them, that is. Mm-hmm. And and so if I were to invoke that, that well, there would is cost no a faint. Stunts do not invoke. Okay, so there's no cost there. So by default, stunts just are. They're conditional are. things, but they always apply. So the, the standard stunt formula is I get plus two to some skill under some scenario. Okay, that's okay? easy. The yep. typical thing that you want is you want that to come up about two to three times a session on average. Sometimes it might be more, sometimes it less. Over time, you want it to be two to three times a session. And the reason is because an invoke is worth two points, but you can use invoke, you can use fake points for other things, and they're very flexible. So what you're doing is you're giving up the flexibility of the fake point in order for just doing this one thing. I get the bonus in this one scenario more often. Sometimes I might not even need it, but I get it more often. So I'm really good at doing this thing more consistently, but I give up some flexibility. That's the fundamental trade-off that you, you do with a stunt. Um, you can make that bonus more often or less often. And usually what I've said, and I've kind of gotten sign off from uh, some of the evil hat folks on this, is that it should be about four to six points of bonus over the course of a session. So if it's more frequent, you can drop that bonus to plus one and you're still kind of in the right ballpark. If it's less frequent, you can make a bigger bonus if you really need to. That's really interesting. Okay. okay. Um, can we do another scenario? Can we do like an encounter and like practice this? Sure. Do I want to finish the rest of the questions? Cause I think we had some other real good questions. Yeah. yeah that'd and be I think fine. it'd be worth finishing those up. Um, so I think there was, uh, what were some of your questions, Andrew? I thought you had some, really um, covering, uh, shifts, stress, consequences, and, ah. um, kind of what they all are, what they mean, and how they interconnect. Okay. Shifts, when I talk about shifts generally, and I maybe use the term a little more loosely, is basically the difference between the number you're trying to get and the number you get. So if you've got a passive opposition of two and you succeed by three, that's three shifts. Um, If I'm attacking you and I get a total of six and you get a total of three after all of our invokes, that's three shifts of difference. You know, think of shifting the result up by one or two from where you're trying to get. When you're attacking someone, you end up generating these shifts. And these shifts have to be dealt in some way by your by the target or you get taken out of the conflict. And this is a conflict-specific rule. So that can go into 
what is called stress or consequences. Stress is like, you know, think of a movie. If you notice, I always use movie examples. You see the two guys beating up each other, boom, boom, bam, bam. And, you know, maybe they're taking, landing a blow or two. Maybe they're getting dropped back a little bit. Nothing really serious is happening, but it looks like maybe one person got the upper hand and got a couple blows in. That's stress. Stress is pain, basically. Stress isn't like damage. It's not long-lasting injuries. It's pain. Then once in a while you see, you know, he he, like it smacked the heart or, you know, hit with the sword and there's a gash on his chest or, you know, maybe a broken leg or something like that. Those are consequences. So between stress, you can just take up the number of stress points that you have and you mark those off. And if that's not enough, you have to take consequences. And a consequence is anything which is going to be a long lasting um, impact of, of being in this conflict. And that can take up to two, four, six, or eight points of stress off. And then you mark a consequence and you mark that you have filled that slot. The, and those are mild, major, and severe, I believe. Mild, moderate, and severe, sorry, for two, four, and six. The, the last one's a little bit different. We'll get into that. So the big difference between mild, moderate, and severe is duration. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds like it should be how bad it is, but it's really how long it lasts. So the way that you deal with consequences is after the conflict is over, you can do something to make them better. Think die hard. You know, after walking on the, the glass, he bandages his feet. Mm. Right. That's that's a great example of healing from a consequence. Um, but it's still he still has his feet in bandages. So the first thing you do is you do some action to cause the consequence to be in some way dealt with. Mm. And that can be, and how much of it deals with is fine, but then you change the name of the consequence to something representing the ongoing pain. Bandaged feet instead of glass lacerated feet. Bingo. That is exactly, Mm. exactly correct. Um, So from there, the consequence then lasts some determined time. It lasts for a moderate or for a minor, it lasts what's seen. For a moderate, it lasts to the session. For a severe, it lasts until, I believe, the end of the story arc. So that's going to be usually, you know, three to four sessions. Mm. Um, let me just do a real quick look up on this to make sure I've got those exact numbers correct. Extremes are a little different. Extremes take away eight stress points or eight shifts, but the the problem with them is they actually rewrite one of your core aspects. They write one of your five aspects, typically one of your three, one of your uh, three kind of free ones. Um, and then that goes away and that never goes away. That that get that stays forever. Eventually it can get turned into something else like at the end of a long arc, but it never, you don't get to change it back. So basically, if you take an extreme consequence, you, you basically should be, um, should have in mind that essentially this is something that's going to stick with you for the duration of the campaign, or at least the majority of the foreseeable future. It changes your character. Yeah. And you're going to do that once between major milestones. Mm. Um, it literally changes who you are. So for those of you who have read the Dresden Files, mm-hmm. minor spoiler here, think of Harry burning his hand. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's, an exa- that's a perfect example of an extreme consequence. It changed who he was. 
Yeah. It changed what he could do, and it lasted quite a while. That was impacting him for, you know, several books. Yeah, a long time. I mean, really kind of permanently. Even after it, even after it, he healed and could do his, his stuff again, he still was dealing with that in multiple ways. Right. So... So with fate, again, really, it's it's about the duration. The mild consequence is one scene after the recovery action. The moderate consequence is one session after the recovery action. So basically, you know, it's it's you know, if you do it in the middle of session one and you do the recovery, then the middle of session two you can get rid of it. Mm. Severe consequence, you have to wait till the scenario is over. You know, think of like the book or the season. Um, so severes also take a long time. Mm. So and severe no and, consequence and should uh, no consequence should be taken lightly. Mild ones are fairly okay because they last only a scene. Mm. Um, so they're just a little better than they're just a little worse than stress in that way. Stress is supposed to go away at the end of the scene. So you just take stress. It doesn't matter. There's no point to ever not take stress. Right. Um, but consequences, even mild ones, you want to be a little careful. But certainly moderate and severe are bad extreme and severe actually do heal at the same rate so they have that same kind of major milestone end of a story arc kind of thing Mm, that makes sense if my character you know goes below their stress threshold Mm -hmm. um and at that point i could i could say i want to concede the fight could i also say can i take an aspect a negative aspect in order to stay in right like let's say that um i get gut punched like so hard mm-hmm. you know that it like cracks ribs or something and so can i take the aspect cracked rib which has consequences and then still continue yes so okay. a-, a consequence is an aspect, and that's exactly what okay. you do. So if you've got two stress left and you take a four stress punch, okay, you have your choices are find a way to, to absorb that four stress or be taken out. Those are your choices. Um, in that case, the easiest thing would be to do would be take a minor consequence for two points, mark off your other two stress boxes, and boom, you're done. And you can still stay in the fight. Now you said you said for two points. What do you mean? For two points for two fate? No, no, you know, no fate points are being spent here. We've already gone done spending our fate points. We are now distributing our stress and consequences. Uh, if you want to mm-hmm. spend fate points, you can do that before we get to oh, that. So point. two points of stress consequence. So you're you're taking four four stress was being dealt to you overall, right. and he was right. basically saying you you have enough stress boxes open to be able mm-hmm. to take two of those four and to Correct. account for the remaining two of the four you're being dealt. You decide to take a mild consequence because a mild consequence can mitigate to stress. Exactly. I see. I see. That's what it's worth. So, okay. Or you could have taken a moderate consequence and not taken any stress boxes. Right. Right. Exactly. And I was going to call that out that when you're doing this, it's not absorb stress, then take consequence. It's all at once. So if you choose to take, a consequence, you know, definitely use that, right? Use the four points that you get from that. And don't waste your, your, your remaining stress boxes for that. Now okay. there is, there's one wrinkle I'm going to mention, and that is pre condensed. Um, you could not stress worked a little different. And the way stress worked before condensed is you had different boxes that had values. 
You had like a one box, a two box, and a three box. Each of those boxes could absorb up to that amount of stress in the box. However, you could only mark one of them off. So if you had a one, a two, and a three box, and you got hit for four stress, even though you theoretically had six points of stress absorption, you couldn't take it with just stress. You would either have to, in this case, it would make most sense to take a mild consequence and mark your two stress off because you couldn't you know, do the three and the one. Mm. So if you play DFRPG, that's how it works in DFRPG. And yeah, this is one of the differences in older stress games where the stress tracks were a lot longer. You'd have like seven stress or start with five stress and be able to get up to seven or eight or things like that. It provided a really good balance being able to tweet between being able to take a few big hits while not being able to take dinky, dinky, dinky hits forever and ever and ever. So if you had like seven boxes of stress, you got hit with 1.7 times, you'd have to mark off one of those boxes each time, even though one of those theoretically could have held up to seven stress. On the same hand, it meant that you could take a seven point stress hit once without even taking a consequence. So you had some ability to take little hits, some ability to take big hits. And it didn't kind of get crazy either way. But with condensed, they found that was a common confusion point. And frankly, when you have like three stress, a stress track of two or three long, the old system just didn't have really enough advantage to be worth the complexity in, in the system, practically speaking. Mm. Um, I think that leads pretty well into uh, Tiana had a having a question about aspects. Mm -hmm. So you, Mm -hmm. you mentioned earlier um, that you have a certain number of free invokes of your own personal character aspect. I understood. No, no. No. Okay. What am I missing here with aspects then? Cause I, I understand like situational or the world aspects. Cause we played out that in the Mm -hmm. scene, but I guess I really don't understand how then to invoke or what the character aspects are for. In like the broad, in like the broad umbrella sentence. Aspects or aspects? Thanks. That's that's about as clear as mud right there. <laughs> <laughs> well, aspects or aspects? Fantastic. No, what I mean by that is there is literally no difference mechanically between an aspect that is a personal aspect and one that is on the scene. They all follow the same rules. Um, your high concept is just an aspect, just as a slippery roof is an aspect. If you want to invoke it, you can either do a create advantage on it or you can spend a fate point to do so. Those are your choices. There's no free invokes of, of anything by default. Some people will preload like certain situation aspects with free invokes. Um, that's not really part of the core, but it's a fairly common thing that people do. So, yeah, there's no real difference between your aspect and anybody else's aspect. And that's why when we talked about them the first time. I know some people were like, well, you didn't go into the different types of aspects. And I kind of didn't because they're not really different. Um, They work mechanically the same way and they still represent that kind of pseudo foreshadowing kind of thing. So the um, I think I think what's what what throws people is Mm -hmm. the idea of um, of the the free invoke versus the not free invoke. And okay. I think um, if I'm remembering right, basically free invokes come with either doing a create advantage or um, succeeding with style. Right. Like there, um, are, there, only- there are certain things that basically grant you a free invoke. If that hasn't right. happened, invoking an aspect requires paying a fate point. The, yeah, the- that's exact. That's exactly it. The difference between like environmental aspects and 
personal character aspects are that like an environmental aspect everybody is um you know if if the aspect is on the environment basically everybody has as has access to that where actually no everybody has access to every aspect if you can invoke your aspects you can invoke aspects of other pcs of npcs Mm. Um, you can actually have your ass folks invoked against you by NPCs, which actually that's gets true with the compels, right? Not a, that's not a compel. That's a, what they call a hostile invoke. Oh, so okay. the difference between a compel and an invoke is that compels happen outside of dice rolls. It's you're not when I'm rolling a dice, and it's a it's a narrative complication. Mm. It is now the situation has gotten more complex. Somebody shows up. That that's a compel. Um, you know, a decision compel. Oh, you decide to steal the very valuable thing that's under lock and key, and now they've got you on tape. That's that's a, a compel. Mm. An a, an invoke happens within a dice roll, and it gives you either that plus two or that reroll opportunity. Yeah, we we in in the scenario that we did last time, uh, we were able to use the shadow man's uh, aspect of wanting the mm-hmm. the information in order mm. to get uh, him to be enraged and That's use right. that as, as an aspect or a, yeah, as you an did that. About the only real mechanical difference is that you really can't um, overcome somebody's aspect on their person. Most of the time they're kind of built into them. Um, so you can't make them go away. Cause if you overcome an aspect, you kind of make it not exist anymore. usually, mm. And you can't do that to a character generally. Um, that's about do the you- only real difference you know there's some lifetime things like usually a situation aspect goes away when you change the scene or when it's no longer relevant um versus character aspects tend to be permanent until you decide to change them you were gonna say something adam um uh, i was gonna say do you recommend that people not share their aspects with each other like in a party like up front right like they, it should be the thing that's discovered or like do you think that's perfectly fine because i i could since we can invoke each other's aspects you know i could see a very you know a very positive thing but you know i can try to use create advantage almost all the time to um you know using their things so i think that's encouraged I, I'm, I'm, right that's encouraged but should i know those things up front as a player i mean i guess i would just be metagaming right so, so like that'd be encouraging to like take notes and like write down, okay, here, here's uh, Rex's aspects. Okay. So here's, here's my view of it. And, and some people think of it slightly differently, but I think this is a pretty good view. Um, and, and it's, it's really consistent with how fate works. Um, I view the, what's on the character sheet as essentially what the audience of our TV show knows about our character. Mm. Hmm. Okay. So anything, any of your aspects should be things that have somehow come out that the audience is aware of. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, that, I think that answers it. And you don't have, not everything has to be on your character sheet. Um, there's a, one of the worlds of fate is uh, called courtship. And I forget the, there's like aliens invading 17th century France or something. Like <laughs> oh, fun. So it's, it's kind of a weird, all, all the worlds of fate are, are really, really out there. There's no, there's nothing just like generic. Um, but they introduce the idea of a hidden aspect. And what they do is the hidden aspect has a private and a public part. The public part is known. The private part is only known to the player. And so a lot of it is trying to figure out what the private 
aspects are. Um, but the private aspect then has a public face. There's the thing that the audience sees that when the truth is revealed, then makes sense. Like, oh, of course that makes sense that they're this because, you know, I knew about this up front. Um, you know, so like you could be cagey about your, your or doesn't want to talk about his parents could be because, you know, they're an alien and don't have parents or it could be because they had trauma. We don't really know. Either of those is valid, but either of those is led to by the public doesn't want to talk about his parents. Mm. Um, so in general, if something sh- is supposed to truly be a secret, it shouldn't be an aspect or it should be kind of one of those public slash private things. Because, I mean, if we if we think about it, like um, uh, when we were doing the phase trio, mm-hmm. uh, if we remember that all of the aspects are were literally created by us participating with one another Mm -hmm. so we could know them absolutely shouldn't use it or invoke it until it has come up as part of the canon or if it's been established that we already fully know each other that that's well that's the whole starting thing like you go in um after establishing how your characters know one another so by the time you're playing it i think it's assumed that your characters do know one another unless you as the GM and group collectively decide. Well, but he just said that if you know, the audience isn't aware of it, then we shouldn't invoke. Right. Well, then it doesn't need to be an aspect, I guess is what I'm saying. more okay. So if you remember, I kind of framed the phase three trio as being like the first six episodes of our season of our first season. So the right, audience, but not every game would be that way. Right. 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 And in a lot of cases, if I'm not using the face trio, I'm going to be using on the fly character creation anyway, which means that nobody's going to know any of the aspects until we do see them, until they do come up in play. Mm, gotcha. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't do that. And then that does get into, well, are you trying to hide information? And there's a lot of, like, I think, session zero conversation if you're trying to hide information from the other players. Like, why are you doing this? What kind of game are you actually running? Right. That I think needs to be worked out. And I think there's solutions to those to that question, depending on the results of that conversation. Did we have any other questions from anybody else before we test? I think I'm I think I'm OK. Tiana, I think I'm I think I'm all right. All right. Okay. Um, I, I, I will I will do my time check thing. We have been recording for for an hour at this point. Do we have time to run a thing? We have. Yep. I'm good. I'm okay. good. I'm good. Cool. How are you, Tiana? I know that you had a little more uh, time constraints. I, I'm doing a recording for my podcast starting at seven our time. So I'm I, and I want time to have food first, but otherwise I'm fine. Yeah. Mm, OK, food. Good. Food, very important. So we we've imagine eating. So we've we've still got a we've still got room. OK. OK. Yeah. OK. So I think the easiest thing to do would be, um, well, let, let me ask you, do you want to kind of continue with our story from last game or do you want to kind of give me a an idea of a scene that we might run? And I could even kind of run run past you how I would set that up or what kind of things I'm thinking about when I hear that. Adam, I'll let you make um, that call. Uh, yeah, I guess I'm fine with just continuing because um, the only thing is I want to maybe start out with something not combat and yeah. then have another combat uh, in there. Cool. Um, All right. So you're on top of the rooftop. You know that Elizabeth is back. You you know that the um, note was sent to you by apparently someone called the Whisperer. Mm. You've driven off the shadowy figure. Your life's been kind of turned upside down. What y'all got to do now? Uh, um, 
Well, I need a, we need to know who this whisper person is, right? So I suppose I would just ask, hey, does anyone know who the whisperer is? I have no idea who the whisperer is. I've never heard of this person, I think. Charlotte, does that sound like someone that you've heard of? It seems like someone that I would have at least heard the name of at some point, whether or not I know exactly who that is. Okay, so it's you, you've heard of the whisperer, but don't entirely know who they are. They seem like somebody that's kind of a shadow broker dealing in information and secrets. Usually, from what you've known, very secretive. Um, usually, information comes at a price. So you're frankly kind of shocked that in this case, you got a message from them up front. Mm-hmm. That's kind of weird. Yeah, that makes me think that whatever is going on, the Whisperer has a vested interest in making sure that in making sure that I know about it, that my little group knows about it, which is interesting. I didn't think that we were necessarily known to the Whisperer. Apparently you is. Oh, so, goody. Uh, Wait, so Whisperer knows Sam and Rex? Oh, that one I certainly do not know, but they knew to send a message to me. Mm-hmm. And they send it with bird. It's uh, significantly easier to get a message to someone without being traced if you don't have a person in between. It seems like message was traced. Well, if you know what you're Shadow looking man. for. Well, uh, Charlotte, I I don't know what to do. Um, what what do you think we should do? So, if I can speak for a second, look at the scenario. You've got kind of three threads going on here. Um, one, you've got that the Whisperer, whoever they are, seems to have taken an interest in at least one of you and is interested in Charlotte's arrival or Elizabeth's arrival. Secondly, you've got this shadow dude, um, that you might be able to somehow track back to wherever he was coming from. The third thing is you have Elizabeth herself. So those are kind of three threads that you can tug on that I can see offhand. Hmm. I might have a way to track him if we're lucky. What you think? But perhaps we should start with the easier thing. Well, he you summoned his creatures and then he empowered them with the blood I had used. I uh, think I can track that if he still has any residual on him. Though I'm not sure that tracking him to wherever he went would be beneficial or safe. Rex no care. Rex not worried uh, yes, about Rex safe. Yes, Rex might not care, but um, my parts are all, all my only original parts. Rex keep you safe. Sam no worry. Mm. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. <laughs> in, in fairness, we did get our uh, collective rear ends very nearly handed to us. We did drive him from the field, which is good. Why you mean? But... He run away. We win. Mm. Maybe just let her finish, Rex. We did drive him from the field, and that is good. But that means that he won't underestimate us again. Mm. Yes. um, I guess uh, they might return, and in greater numbers. (laughs) But will they ride single file? (laughs) Rex misreference. Oh yeah. Well, we'll we'll get you caught up on that one, big guy. Oh, good. Rex like being caught up much more than missing references. <laughs> Is that an aspect? <laughs> <laughs> Could be. Our Captain America boy. Um, okay. So, uh, just in the interest of moving things along, um, 
can I have Sam try to uh, perceive, trace uh, blood uh, that was used by Shadow Man? Yeah, that definitely seems like something that you can do. Um, you know, you can you can kind of perceive the magical energies, and since that blood came from you, and you're a blood mage, that mm-hmm. definitely seems exactly in in your wheelhouse. Um, I don't even think that's going to be all that difficult. So let's call that. Uh, that that sound kind of sounds like percept or notice, right? Ah, okay. I'm going to call notice it or investigate. Invest- well, investigate. Which which do you think it is? Well, I mean, uh, you tell tell me what you're doing. Describe like how is he tra- how is he tracking? Like yeah, material right. so or magic I, I f- or what? It's more uh, magical. So I would say that. Sam smells blood, right? He's almost like a hound in that way. Ooh, that'd be a okay. cool nickname, the Bloodhound. A badass. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. So if this is a movie or a TV show, what I'd see is that kind of uh, Sam would go and maybe sniff at the blood there and, and kind of sniff into the uh, air and see if he can get a good whiff of it. Right. That's right. And then he was he he'd be like kind of tasting the air a little bit and like a, he's a sommelier mm. <laughs> right? and, and he's like no 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 oh there it is there the it only is. That's problem the one. is based on that description i'm actually going to call this a three opposition because you know what it smells a lot like you mm. it does it does <laughs> so go ahead and give me an investigate and see if you can get me a passive op- beat a passive of three three yeah okay oh uh, I got you, buddy. I got a five total. Nice. Okay, yeah, you could definitely pick that up on the wind. Um, it is leading off to the north. Okay, what you find, you know, there's, Sam? There's there's a path that goes goes away for for certainly a, a at least a little bit. Sam straightens his whole body and points. <laughs> what you find, boy? Where we go? Follow. <laughs> 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 He's on the trail. Uh, I have I have the trace. Uh Charlotte, do you think it's a good idea to follow it? Because if you do, then we should do that quickly before it's gone. I think that we follow it at least for a time and get a sense for the general locale. If I have that, it may be easier to start tugging on threads to find out what people that I know know about the Whisperer and the Shadow Man and where they may be connected. Okay, so are you going to try and catch up to this guy, or are you just going to try to find the general area he's in? Yeah, I don't think we want to run him down. I think we want to follow. Yeah, I think I, th- I think that okay. actually trying to catch him would be a terrible idea. I mean, I yeah, okay. because then we wouldn't find anything. I want to run him down, but I won't. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, Get back here. I just want to call it a couple things that I've done here, um, just as Rob's fake GMing kind of bag o tricks. Yeah. The first thing is I definitely made sure that I asked you what's your intent. What are you trying to accomplish? Because I don't want to have you succeed and not give you what you asked for. Because, it, you know, this is a long thing that you're going to be doing, tracking this guy down. And there's a lot of little decisions in there that the characters would actually be making with their goal in mind. And you might approach things differently if you're trying to actually catch up with him versus trying to you know, be, right. say a little far back and figure out where he went to, right? That's going to impact a lot of little things. So by knowing what you're trying to accomplish, I can make sure that I am kind of adjudicating that in the right way and thinking about, okay, what's the difficulty? Because if you're hanging back, that might make things harder because you are trying to maintain that distance. Um, but you're also not going to run into him. 
So you're kind of choosing what success and failure looks like there. Um, the second is, you know, I'm hearing this and I'm hearing, and, and someone said the, the key word for me, which is before. And anytime I hear the word before or think the word before, I think contest. So this smells like a contest. There's actually a, a another uh thing in fate which is called the chase which is really kind of a variation of a contest i think that's in the uh system toolkit maybe it's been a while but we're just going to do this as a as a straight up uh contest just so that we can use the cores the core bits if that makes sense yeah and um, i so just real quick um it, as a matter of highlighting um that as you you mentioned uh, asking, what are you trying to accomplish? Um, and I, I just remember reading over the book of Hans and um, fake core and all that stuff that it, it really seemed like, like the thing for a GM to, you know, like, like it with D and D very often folks will treat the GMs like stereotypical question as being what do you do where here it seems like the thing to fall back on as a gm when you're trying to figure out what to do with the scene or to help a to help the player decide where they want to go with things next always having the the verbatim question what are you trying to accomplish is always a great thing to kind of help either get things back on track or keep things on track and it's really both i think Mm. it's what are you doing and what are you trying to accomplish you you kind of really do need both in most cases um in a lot of cases what are you trying to accomplish also helps focus the players on trying to understand what their goals are and realizing that they can try to accomplish things. They don't have to just sit there and poke until something falls apart. Right. They can say, hey, I am trying to be proactive. I have a plan. Right. Um, in this case, your plan is let's follow the, the trail of, of blood through the city. Following and a trail so of blood te- through San Francisco. Oh, and I assume you're basically going to follow <laughs> over, over, over rooftops and stuff like that. That's the cool as, way as to follow things. It is. It really is. How, how are you going to do that? Um, I'm going to transform into blood and uh, fill up a something that Rex is carrying. Nice. Okay. Gross, but nice. <laughs> so, so, and, and again, I'm going to call out these little things. As a GM, what I'm hearing is that you're doing something that's frankly kind of cool. There's really nothing stopping you from doing. It's not giving you a major advantage except for, you know, you can be carried by somebody. So I'm just going to say, sure, you do that. Yep. Rad. Awesome. And this is one of those things, whenever you hear an action in, G- in, in Fate, you kind of want to figure out, okay, what's the opposition? What's really at stake here? In this case, there's nothing really at stake. There's no reason to deny this. So it just happens. Um, All right. I'm in the water bottle that you definitely don't want to drink. <laughs> nom, nom, nom. Oh, no. Today, if I you filled do, my then... water bottle with black cherry soda. <laughs> now I can't tell <laughs> Oh no, now my composition is mixed with the black cherry soda. <laughs> I'll never be the same. I need to change my aspects. That 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 uh that, that sugar high was <laughs> never coming out. He comes back, he just <laughs> perpetually smells like black cherry soda. <laughs> mm. I'm just gonna change my name to Kyle and just be kind of like high strung. Ooh. Ooh. 
that's the way to go. All right. <laughs> okay. So I've got <laughs> Sam in a bottle. <laughs> If I could put Sam in a bottle. <laughs> oh okay. Um, so you're going to try and chase and tra- chase this dude out. Um, you're just going to basically run in direction. So the way a contest works in Fate is everybody gets to try to succeed. And we'll just really kind of do the fastest person in there. Because if it's everybody, then it's you're going to get into that combinatorial math problem of grossness. You can help each other. You can try to do a create advantage. Um, if you succeed, you get the advantage. If not, you get to lose your chance of succeeding at the turn. Mm-hmm. Same thing goes for our bad guy. And the first person to three successes wins. And if you succeed with style, you get two points. Nice. If, if you just succeed, you get one point. If you don't succeed at all, you get zero points. Womp, womp. Womp, womp. Mm, indeed. Okay. And so it's really it's 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 who gets the highest result. You win the exchange. If you succeed with Silent no one else does. There's a tie for highest result. No one gets a victory. An unexpected twist occurs. Okay. So I think I think Reich should should pick up Charlotte and then just Hulk jump around. That that's pretty much what I what I was thinking. Sure, that Is works. Charlotte okay uh, with I, that? I I'm I'm fine with that. I was I was going to lean on the fact that vampires tend to be pretty fast and strong on their own, but uh, I defer to the person that was built to be strong. Uh. Um, and I've also put um, I've fleshed out my skills a little bit, so I put sure. Uh, given how how we've kind of figured Rex would operate, um, his physique was at four, and I put. In his good row, I've now put fight and athletics. Um, mm-hmm. So athletics in this is kind of what, um, like dexterity, speed, that kind of stuff. Um, yep. That's what that falls under. So um, how do I know? So the I'm going to give trail? you a piece of, uh, a piece of. I'm going to give you a piece of input. Okay. Um, and we can you can feel the dress. I mean, consider your character's pencil in at this point, as far as I'm concerned. Right. We we're just kind of messing around. What you have done is what I call the combat monster trio. The the okay, combat it's, it's, monster it's what? Trio. trio. Gotcha. That's your three peak skills are physique, athletics, and fight. Um, that's very good for making you a very good combatant. However, it is going to significantly impact your capabilities outside of physical um, arenas. Okay. Um, and and you really, you're not getting a whole, whole lot of utility. Like... Two of those would be give you a pretty good combat monster. Three of them makes you marginally better, but is really kind of uh, sacrificing a lot of utility out. Okay, of that. it's not something I typically. It's just, in D and D in GURPS a lot of times you really kind of want to hyper specialize. Fate is a little less geared towards that. Okay, but we'll run with this for now. I'm just kind of throwing that out for you to think, and if you want to change it later, so knock no, yourself no hacking out. computers. Well, I'll I'll <laughs> yeah, put. Instead of having athletics in uh, in the good line, I'll put athletics down in fair. I mean, you can do whatever you want. And if you want to Hulk jump around, because I don't really see this guy as being like super agile. I see him as right. a good cruiser. I, that, that would be a good place for a stunt. That would be a good place for a stunt where he can get plus two to athletics when doing big jumps is is applicable. Okay, let's do that then. Um, good. Okay. Let's see. Plus two to athletics. 
when uh when propelling myself i mean you can literally say when hulk jumping all right when jumping okay and by the way since our good buddy um did concede he gets an extra faith point of course he does the bastard and he gets an extra faith point because he took a minor consequence (sighs) That's that's true. Because when you concede, you get an extra fate point for yeah. every consequence you took in that encounter or in that scene up until you conceded. Correct. Uh, however, the other bad part about taking a consequence that I neglected to mention is that when you do take a consequence, the other person, the person that inflicted it, gets a free invoke on that consequence. Mm. And I don't think you took the free invoke on partially burned away, and he certainly hasn't had a chance to heal that. So you still have that free invoke. Maybe let's let's say that the um, and everybody else can feel free to weigh in on this, but partially burned. Maybe that's just not healed yet, so we could invoke that to give us a um, a to basically make it easier to track him that's because what, that's, that's what i was thinking as well that he's basically leaving like half burnt footprints behind in a magical sense yeah so this is but again as an invoke this is something that happens within the context of a role so we don't need to do it yet because oh. you've got enough of a trail to start chasing. gotcha okay so we'll keep it in our pocket until such time as we might need it 100 percent. and since it's a new scene he gets the gm fate pool point of fate points which is he gets three plus his two he's kind of full up on fate points cool all righty so go ahead and give me some athletics to kind of follow that trail as it's going across a couple buildings and i'm going to roll his athletics to see how well he manages to uh sneaky through all right oh okay so i got two successes and two failures on the dice, so that's a wash. So with my athletics being at fair, that's plus two. And then with my stunt, since I'm jumping, um, that's going to give an additional plus two. So that's a total of plus four. Okay. Um, and he only got a plus three total. He yeah. rolled even, and he has a plus three athletics. So you have one success. You're able to go ahead and track him through. You're following across the 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 rooftops. You're able to. Uh, Sam's able to kind of slosh in the appropriate direction, <laughs> keep track of things. Oh, he's splashing and, and to, to the go. right. Let's go that way. Splash, <laughs> splash, <laughs> splash. We'll give him like a compass needle to point in the right direction or something. <laughs> there you go. That's actually a there really you go. good idea. <laughs> Turn him into and, our own dousing so rod. Right. Right, 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 right. There you go. I'm down. Like so, this. yeah, you're able to keep track of him, and you can tell that the trail is getting fresher. You're definitely catching up to this jerk. Okay. Um, but it's it's going ahead, and he seems to be dropping. He seems to, at this point, have dropped down to the street level. Okay. So what are you going to do at this point? So he... Just keep following. He has it. dropped down to the street. Yeah, okay. you can tell the trail is is running down to the street. Let's let's stay above and try to stay out of his notice, um, and just keep ourselves in a at a high vantage point. So we to kind of also um, maybe use create advantage in this way in order to uh, take advantage of our higher vantage points. So we can kind of keep an eye on things. 
okay. and maybe predict so where he a... might be going, even though he's not there yet. Okay, so that sounds like a create advantage role. Um, again, with athletics, I think, to get to the, the higher point. And we'll call that uh, just a difficulty to getting up there isn't going to be hard. It's going to be a, uh, we'll call that that aspect created high road if you succeed. Okay. That should be really easy. All right. So that's a no and a yes. Nothing. Okay. So if my athletics is two and I'm, I'm mm-hmm. not jumping, so I'm not using that stunt. So mm-hmm. I've got one negative so that I'm at a one total. Okay. So that means that you fail. Um, and in the context of a contest, that means you also forego your chance at uh, doing a contest roll this round. Okay. Are you okay with that? So, you know, you're trying to, to maybe climb up to get something to some higher ground, and it's like the, the lead or the building, the bricks you're going on have, have crumbled away, and it's kind of slowing you down a little bit. Okay. So, dot, dot, dot. I, I'm going to... I'm going to take the failure on this one um and and uh he'll rex will look to charlotte can't keep going on top have to go down yeah i mean actually i think in this case you try grabbing and just the bricks you know fall away from on you you're on a crumbling building a little bit you're trying to scrabble to hold on to them and eventually you know it just kind of all uh um falls away from you kind of landing you with a little bit of a thud on the rooftop that you're on before you tried jumping. Right. Uh, meanwhile, you can kind of look at the path that Mr. Bad Dude has taken, and something interesting seems to be happening as he's in one of the alleys. See, so uh, that's a plus. Yeah, I'm definitely going to say that CAA worked with a plus four uh, lore and a plus one, but I'm not going to give him the success with style. What you see is as he hits it, it's like, the blood trail seems to go in three different directions. Mm, Sam. Um, it seems like he did some kind of magical. <laughs> I'm sorry about the language there. <laughs> that, that's my one for the PG. That's okay. Um, I'll time stamp um, it. So he did some kind of magical garbage. Cast, you know, some reached into that power, managed to split himself up in different paths. And he's still going to go ahead and go forward and charge with all those. And plus one with the plus four or plus three athletics gives him plus four. That's enough to get him a success. Now, both teams have a single success. So you don't really feel that you're any further away than when you started, but you're not closer. His He's done a pretty good job of steering his trail enough that, you know, it, it kind of got your your first advancement kind of under kind of uh, compensated for that. Rex is going to right. hold up the bottle and talk to the the blood sloshing around in the bottle. <laughs> <laughs> I speak fluent sloshies. <laughs> um, which way now? <laughs> I'm going to splat, hold up splat. Uh, two little blobs and make a shrug. <laughs> Rex then. <laughs> like the ocean from Moana, but with like ants. Uh, Rex, Rex looks at uh, at Charlotte without saying a word and just raises his eyebrows. Which I imagine is a singularly interesting um, expression on, on, on his fist. Um, I want to... 
look around and see if I can, you know, looking around this area of of San Francisco, have we gotten a fair ways away from where we were? What kind of an environment? I'm not going to ask for like neighborhoods or anything because I'm, I'm I'm confident you don't know that. Um, but it, does it seem like there this place in Sin specific feels like a place that works better for magical things, and that's why he wait why he waited until he was here to split the trail or um, mm. trying to trying to trying now, to draw on on any lore that I might know to be like, is there like a ley line that he might have used to help um, power this or something like that? Okay, so what you're trying to do here is you're trying to like look at at the magical fabric of this part of of San Francisco and see if there's something that can give you some indication of where he might go. Is that is that yeah? Accurate? That's that's basically what I'm looking at. I like how you asked that, okay. Rob. That was that was well uh, well put. Thank you. I was about to uh, clarify, point out that that's that's like the ninja GM intent clarifying and even prompting question. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, well, okay, asked. cool. Yeah, you can go ahead and 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 open up your senses and kind of look out into the night and see what's what's going on. Go ahead and, and uh, give me a lore roll. And we're going to say that, and that's not too difficult, so just a plus two. Okay. You're using your, your wizard senses, your wizard sight. <laughs> I'm, I'm not a rah, wizard, rah. just good at what I do. Um, cool, so that's two pluses, two, two negatives, so that's a wash there. My lore is plus four. So Ooh. you absolutely can do that. You are, like, staring at the, uh, the fabric. You can kind of see these paths are going on. You can kind of... Just get a feel for where the flow of magic is stronger. And certainly something like the Shadow Man here is going to be subtly influenced by that, even if he's not looking to take advantage Mm. of himself. So that's definitely going to help you kind of figure out where he's going. So that was a successful create advantage with a um, free invoke on it. And where did that free invoke come from? That because she got a success on the create advantage roll. There you go. Okay. So she did the thing. We now have established she has the magical lay of the land. So any information that is relevant from that is just there for free because she has the magical lay of the land. Mm. And she can invoke that once for free, which doesn't make it go away, but lets her get that extra that extra kind of bonus. So um, what are you doing now? So I to kind of follow. Yeah, so I wanna I wanna use that to basically like find the 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 thread because so, something like the shadow man is kind of kind of like what what i think of rex where it's very much like an inherently magical thing and will leave um eddies uh, uh, awake like a like like a motorboat mm. and try to um basically like like dip my fingers into that wake and, and pull on what i'm seeing to find the direction we're, we're supposed to be going okay so what you're doing is you're taking a step from the running and are instead trying to um, just get a better informational rather than a catch up kind of move. Is that yes? Idea? Because it won't do us any good to chase down any of the three trails if one of if if one of them is a better trail to follow. So it's better, in my opinion, to grab that information and then proceed with more proceed with more knowledge. Mm. Okay. Um. I'm trying to debate if that sounds like notice or investigate. What do you all think? I'm sorry, what, what, what was the first one? Your audio cuts out periodically. Oh, I'm sorry. I was trying to see if that sounds more like notice or investigate. I It seems more intuitive to me, so I would say notice. Yeah, I could agree with that. 
I'm fine with that. So let's call that a notice of, um, well, he's kind of got these different paths into the shadow. So we'll call that a plus, uh, uh, just give me, just roll notice. And he is actually going to, at this point, he is trying to take the, um, his paths and make them go into various different directions using his knowledge of the city to go into like the weirdest, twistiest, most hidden spots. Mm. So that's going to be lore for him. Okay. Um, is basic knowledge of the city against your notice. So let's go ahead and roll that. I am rolling even all the time. Two pluses, two minuses, four lore. So he's got a four. Okay. Okay. So I rolled uh, three pluses and a, and a neutral, and my notice is oh. one. Okay. So it's a tie. Um, so now a tie in a contest is interesting because either some one of us can can decide to invoke out of it. Or an unexpected complication occurs. So, this is this is a situation in which she could leverage that um, that free invoke from the create an advantage, right? Absolutely. If she wants to, Tiana, I wouldn't make you use it if you don't. No, I think this is a good place to use it. Yeah. Okay. So you kind of look at this and, and his stuff is gone everywhere, but you're able to kind of also take a look at the magical fabric and just kind of the way the ley lines and the, the mesh of magic is, is combining. And you, you pick the most obvious one, uh, the most the strongest place, and realize that that is, in fact, the way he went. Um, however, he also split up again breaking off into another three sets. So that's him burning his different paths in both. Mm. Interesting. So we're back to a tie. Um, and in fact, and in fact, after he does that, you could see the different paths start to go into the, into like the underground areas, into the shadows where all of a sudden the shadows are helping to obscure him and obscure his paths, even from far away, even through the magical view. So he's burning a fate point, remember he has five, mm-hmm. to boost that up so that he's got a two-point lead on you now. Am I able to get a sense for where he starts going into, like, the twisty, underground, shadowy area? Um. Well, you don't even know which path is really his at that point, mm-hmm. because he did split up again. You could spend a fate point to do I so. I don't have any currently. You, you used all your fate points last uh, yep. session? Or last uh, in, the, in the fight? Ugh. Yeah. Well, <laughs> mm, I mean... Technically, we did start a new session. Well, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you. I mean, I'll, that's pushing a little that bit. That is but pushing. I'll, I'll allow it. <laughs> hey, I'm just I'll saying. I'll allow it. I'll allow. All right. All right. Um, do we still have an invoke on the the partially melted? Yes. Okay. You don't even have to. Actually, that's you don't even have to use a fate point. You can use that. Yeah, invoke. I would rather use that invoke to um to say that as much as he is trying to like hide his his scent by doing all of these splits that uh him being partially melted is um it's it's crippling him a little bit it's it's it, it's like trying to be see- what do we mm. see what do we see on screen paint me a picture oh goodness okay i'm such a jerk <laughs> All right, so Charlotte has has her hands open in front of her with these various patterns and sigils dancing between them with this like Ooh. dark blue light arcing between between her fingertips and her eyes moving very quickly back and forth as she swings it from side to side and is basically looking over these these different trails and when we get to the point where he splits for the third for the 
when he splits into three for the second time, uh, she kind of pauses and like brings her hands in tightly together to compact it, trying to get a better, um, trying to focus in on it and remembering the sight of <coughs> his shadowy body shedding these burnt pieces of himself. She's looking very specifically for, in her magical senses, what looks like um, charred fabric left behind or pieces or pieces mm-hmm. of charred paper that he might try to hide, but it's like trying to, to sneak when you have a limp. It's just, a, it's just a little bit more obvious and pull on that invoke to find the correct path. Okay. And it seems like you can do that. And that brings you up to a tie, which again means that if, if you leave it there, it's going to create a, a unexpected twist or complication, mm. or un- unexpected circumstance. So if I can jump in here yeah, real right. quick, just for the like, interest of time yeah. and, and exploring the mechanics a little bit more, what if we take that complication because we find the right path, but there's a yeah. bunch of thugs there ready for a fight? Um, we can certainly do that. If you guys want to do some more beat them up, boom them up. Um, I will say that in my experience, Fate games, they don't have as much combat as I would expect out of a typical D&D game. It's That's not kind of like the but 50-50 split, but we can certainly do that. It's just sure. about learning, right? Sure. Does that, everyone else sound okay yeah, with that? Is, is that all right? Sure. I mean, it's, it's it's always an interesting challenge for me to figure out how to be useful in a fight with this character. I forget, okay, are so you a vampire? I am not? a vampire, but I'm a, but I'm a white okay. part vampire, which is different than what you're thinking of. Do you still drink no. blood? Well, <laughs> uh, I... The, the short version is I drink I, I, Sorry, I, I drink strong emotions. Right. Okay. And with that, we blew our PG thirteen. Right hey, you know what? It, it wasn't either. It wasn't. <laughs> I already used it was, our budget. It, it was not either the of the guests, so I do not feel bad about it. It's my bad. It's my bad. I'm, I've been dropping f bombs today. My back hurts. I'm sorry. He's. I'm feeling uh, grumpy. Well, we are at an hour in about forty five by my clock. So, do we want to break it off here and go into a a a and take up the conflict next time we do this that might that be seems good to me that would give that would give so, uh, tiana a little bit more leeway yeah 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 so i would say be, as before we end this up you know let's any more questions that came out of this you know we just kind of get them while they're they're hot and fresh the, off the press i had one beforehand which is maybe a bigger question but so I, i'm looking at what kind of games i do want to run yeah and i'm i've come down to three that are that i'm really interested in one is uh, basically Dishonored. Yeah. One mm-hmm. of them is Cyberpunk. And another one is uh, Superheroes. And okay. I was reading a little bit about how to do some of these things in the book. Yeah. Um, but just like as a quick, how would you solve the issue of a player gets an implant that makes them punch better? What? How would you handle that mechanically? Um, so f- skills in fate are what I like to call final and that means that a in in, in GURPS or D&D or something like that your ability to punch somebody is going to be based on a number of things it's going to be based on your class it's going to be based on your skill level it's going to be based on your stats it's going to be based on your level it's going to be based on any feats or advantages that you have and those all turn into a number at the end right Um, in fate the typical way that you do that is you just build it into your skill level. 
Um, so all that stuff, if it's a constant uh, level of skill, just gets built straight into it. And a lot of the th- reasons that you do that, right? Like we haven't talked about weapon and armor ratings. Right. Um, but so if it's really just this is how good I am at punching on a regular basis, it's just your fight skill. It just means that that's an explanation for why your fight is four instead of three or two or one. Okay. Um, so where would I put that on the sheet? Would it, that go under like extras? Nope. That, I mean, so there's other things that, that we can get to with that. The other aspect, I mean, so in a cyberpunk game, you know, there's usually this aspect of loss of humanity. Right. Um, cyber psychosis. Cyber psychosis or however it shows up in whatever game that you want it to show up in. So that sounds like an aspect to me um, that you have, you know, these these cybernetic parts. And it might not be as specific as I have a, a single is, you know, the cybernetic fist punch. But that's also going to give you permissions, right? Like how how good you are at punching your way through problems is your fight skill. But if you have this cybernetic arm that lets you punch, that might let you punch through a brick wall where a normal person mm. So that would be a great aspect to have. If it's something that really just makes you better at certain things um, that are more conditional, then you'd want to make it a stunt. And that could all be an extra when put together. I I think of extras as a box that holds all the individual pieces, right? Like, okay, I've got, you know, an aspect and a stunt that are tied together. That's an extra. Okay. Uh, Does that make sense? uh, A little bit. I think I just have to use it once and then it'd be okay. But I think I mostly get it. It would add an aspect. Um, fair enough. But it, 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 you said mainly that it depends on what do you mean? Like, how am I using it? Like, can I punch through walls or do I just have a module where now I know Kung Fu, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is, it's, it's going to go on different parts of the page depending on how we implement it. Right. And so it seems like the easiest thing would be to say, okay, in order to get the implant, you have to go see the Ripper doc. And we are only going to have time to do that um, when you finish this quest. Right. So we could say when when everybody levels up, that's essentially your level up feature. We give you this stunt or possibly we we give you an aspect, Um, whatever. But if it's not, then maybe it's just. Yeah, plus well, one I mean, skill. I think, I, don't I think if there's I think if there's time to do it, then you just do it. Um if you're using like weapon ratings, you can certainly just attach a weapon one to it and, and charge whatever refresh level you want to charge for that. Mm-hmm. Um I'm generally not a big fan of weapon ratings in most cases, and I'm sure we'll get into that in a in a later case. They're a, they're a great tool for specific things. They work really well for Dresden files. Um mm-hmm. but it really depends on what's the narrative role in this. You know, I mean, a stunt that says, okay, I get plus two to fight when I'm punching something that's, you know, really slow and sturdy makes sense, right? To, to me, and it could, or just narrative permission, right? I'm punching a tank. I'm really good at punching something like a tank with this thing. I'm less good at punching people because it's easier because it's, it's harder to really get that full strength into it because people are dodging. And tanks don't dodge very well because they're big and tanky. Um, so it really depends on what you want that to mean in your game and what other kind of systems you have. So, I mean, general looking, looking at the, looking at the, the idea of the fist that makes you punch better. You, you have to kind of drill down more on what does punch better mean? Yeah. Hmm. What does it look like in the story? If this is a movie, what impact on the movie does this have? I'm generally against in fake things that are just plus one to fight when I punch. 
it's just too broad and gets into that kind of arms race thing. Um, if you are using now, if, again, if you're using weapon ratings and you want to be a boxer and people can get a weapon two or weapon three rating, and we'll go over what that means just by picking up a gun, then I don't really care about giving you weapon plus one for your fist or even weapon plus two. All that's doing is kind of leveling the field. I'm a lot more free with that. Um, so that's where I'm like, it kind of depends on what you're doing with the rest mm. of the game. Okay. Well, I, th- I think we spent enough time on that question. I can message you more later. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, speaking of questions, I do want to let all the listeners know um, if you have any questions and want to let us know, um, you can, if you want to hit us up over Discord, you can uh, head on over to the Patreon and join at any level and that'll give you access to our discord or uh i don't mention this often but we do actually have an email address that is inspiration.point.cast at gmail.com if you'd like to email us any questions you can hit us up there as well um you can also find us on facebook uh just by searching inspiration point podcast and you can find us on twitter at ip rpg cast um and you can find us over there and you can hit us up with any any questions as well um and obviously uh we will do our best to get to answering those questions um sometimes if we know that we are going to be covering a certain specific topic Uh, At a later point, we might save the question until it's, you know, a bit more relevant to the larger um, thing we're covering, but we will do our best. Um, Let's see. Am I missing anything else, you guys? I don't think so, unless you guys had any more quick questions you wanted to go over over like the scene we just went through. I think I think that's time. I think we got to wrap. All right. Sounds good. All right. Okay, everybody. Thank you all for hanging out with us. I hope this was very informative i know it was for me um thank you again to rob and tiana for joining us and uh thank you to all of you for um working through any of the tricky schedule stuff it can't life can be a bit of a pain sometimes and uh i appreciate being able to work through all of that with such fine folks as yourself um well thank you much for putting up with my scheduling uh randomness especially today i appreciate no it problem it, it's always a delight to work with y'all on this absolutely i'm glad that we uh we've all been able to make time this whole sunday recording thing has actually been working out pretty nicely um, yeah so yeah. uh adam is there anything else you would like to add i i had a bloody good ah! time ah! Oh, there we go And on that pontific uh, uh, note, we will say uh, what you'd expect us to say. Until next time, stay inspired. Bye. 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 You guys like hit this nice harmonic kind of (laughs) goodbye, 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 goodbye. This is just the way we do things now. This is just how we do things. I love it. All right, everybody. See you later. Cool. See you. And go. (laughs) Don't.
Don't do that. Oh, man. Okay, F-bomb from You guys Adam. don't know, but we've done that a few times, oh. and he just edits me I out. I mean, it's, yeah. it's not that hard to do. 58, 45, 